Welcome to OTR, Over the Rainbow, Achieving Mental Health for Real. This podcast offers hope to many people who needlessly suffer from mental health issues. Your host, Bob Adelman, brings you information on how you can recover from any mental health issue and achieve a happier life. Each episode interviews experts like doctors, counselors, and life artists who give helpful tips on living a happier life. But most importantly, Bob interviews ordinary people who have suffered with a mental health issue, some on the brink of or attempted to take their own lives. Each one has recovered to lead a much happier life. Most of the guests have books or websites with more info that you can use for recovery. You can do it too. If you want to know more, please check out his trailer. Bob's notes on today's show follows. Michael Skoltz suffers with major depression and anxiety. He is also a pastor of a Lutheran church. So how can a man of faith have depression? Depression can strike anyone anywhere. It doesn't have favorites. He describes it as two voices that he hears constantly, the dark voice of depression that tells him that he is worthless and horrible, and the still, small voice of God who whispers to him that he is beloved and worthy. He has a unique perspective to offer people of faith, a deep and thoughtful experience of depression. Michael believes that he can offer hope to people who live with mental illness. So come join Michael for his journey through depression. Now, here's Bob with today's show. Hey, Michael, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Nice to have you here. Um, could you tell the listener a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I am a, a pastor in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, um, and I've been a, a Lutheran my whole life. Grew up in uh, in a house where my father was also a pastor, and my mother was a church organist. So I, uh, you know, faith is kind of... Um, was part of the air I breathed growing up. So I grew up with a, with a pretty strong faith, um, and obviously still have it today. Um, and, uh, but along with that, um, as I grew up, I realized that, uh, that I was also living with, uh, with depression. Um, ever since I was, um, probably a preteen, I noticed that, uh, I've got this, uh, this problem that I, I will sometimes feel, incredibly uh down or um or more often uh you know feel this this intense self-loathing that i think that that i'm i'm absolutely worthless um i hear you i call him the demon the the deep sure sure i i I have taken to calling it the dark voice but i think demon is just as good a word absolutely um because it's it's just this nasty side that that uh that that just seems to want me to be miserable and um and is is always there could you tell us um a little bit about your childhood was as a child were you happy most of the time when did the depression start well i mean i had a i had a good childhood my my parents were very loving um i don't have any uh any kind of trauma in my past uh my father um you know you know, sometimes we think of pastors as being very, you know, overbearing and controlling. That's not the way my father was. He was, um, you know, someone who, uh, you know, who always cared about us. My mother, um, was, uh, was very loving as well. I have one younger sister, um, who, uh, she and I did not get along at all when we were children, but, uh, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, since we grew up, we've, we've kind of buried all that and, and we're, we're good friends now. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't always happy. Um, I, one thing that, that 
that was part of of who I was was I was kind of the smart kid in my school and um and my teachers and my principal always told me that um it was it was a small school uh, you know it was kind of a small pond but I was certainly the big fish there that my teachers thought I was the the greatest thing that had ever happened to that school um and yet uh you know the other kids didn't really feel that way I uh I could be obnoxious and arrogant and uh and that didn't, didn't make friends that way so much um so I even from a young age, I had this, these two different voices telling me, you know, that you're, you're really great. And another voice telling me, you know, you're, you're, you're annoying and we don't like you. And, um, so, you know, so that, that, and as I grew older, um, that, that we don't like you voice, um, kind of turned inward and became part of my, my inner monologue that, uh, um, that, I, if I'm not perfect, you know, I think it was partially because I was this weird kid at school, mm-hmm. things came so easily to me. And so if I didn't do something right the first time, I felt like I was, um, I, I was broken. I was, there was something wrong with me. I was a failure. Um, so I, I went really back and forth. I was a very moody kid. Um, didn't really know anything about mental illness as a child. You know, I grew up in the, in the eighties mm-hmm. and it wasn't, wasn't really talked about the way it is today. Certainly no, nobody's talking about it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I just thought I was this moody kid and it was just going to be my life. Was anyone in your family, like your father or maybe your sister, do they have any signs of depression? Not really. Um, I've, I've got some relatives who I think um, have uh, undiagnosed depression, but no one in my immediate family has ever, um, has ever been diagnosed or, or you know, really seems to deal with the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you take medicine for? I do. Your... Yeah, I take I take antidepressant medicine. I take um, uh, Cymbalta right now. I've tried a couple different meds, and that's the one that seems to be working mm-hmm. well now. Um, I'm also okay. uh, I also am in uh, talk therapy every two weeks. I, I see my therapist, um, and that's I and I see a, a spiritual director as well, which is a helpful thing in in my case. Right. Do people come to you with, and and they must come to you with their problems, right? As a pastor? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, Yeah, certainly, um, you know, people come to me with with, with things going on in their lives. And I think um, that that people come to me more freely about um, mental illness issues than they would otherwise, because I've been so open about it in my congregation. Yeah. I, I decided... I decided early on um, at the the congregation I'm at now. I've been here ten years, and um, it was about when I was here about six months. I I shared it in a sermon. Um, I don't remember exactly the topic of the sermon, but but somehow or another, I was saying that we all struggle with different things in our lives. Of course. And um, and I said that you know one of the things I struggle with is depression, and I described mm-hmm. what that is and and how I experience it, and then I invited. Um, the congregation, if, if you're comfortable to call out, call out right now, the thing that you're struggling with. Mm-hmm. And I expected that I'd, I'd hear crickets. I, you know, I thought maybe two or three people would, would say something, but, mm-hmm. but I was floored that, um, you know, a, a couple dozen people called things out. Um, they called things like anxiety or cancer or struggles with my grandkids. Um, and a right. few people said depression as well. So I, it, it, it really became a safe place for me to be open about it. Um, and That's I think in, in, in the process, other people are, are more open to talking to me about it because they, they know that I, I get it. 
Right. And um, do you have a classification for your depression? Is it a bipolar thing? Is it just kind of like whatever, quote unquote, it's, normal uh, depression? Yeah, yeah. It's like garden variety. Um, I guess it's, uh, you know, major depressive disorder. Um, and it kind of goes from mild to severe, depending on, on when it is. Um, I, I've sometimes thought that I have something called double depression, which, uh, is when you have both persistent depressive disorder, which is this low grade depression that just stays with you for years. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you have these, um, episodes of severe depression. I, I think that might be what I have, but, but I'm not, I'm not, I haven't been diagnosed with that. I think you said that you were in the hospital as well. Yeah. When I was 17, um, I had a suicide attempt. I, um, uh, I was convinced that I had, uh, I had hurt a friend of mine, um, uh, through, through, you know, words that I had been very Mm -hmm. insensitive and that I had, I had done something that was just, just beyond the pale. Now in reality, I mean, maybe I had said something that upset her, but it was not, it was not what I thought it was. But in my head, I was so, I felt so guilty and felt like, um, I could never do anything right. And, uh, I was convinced that the, the best thing I could do for the world was, would be to take myself out of it. Um, and so I, uh, I walked down to a, a park that was, um, a couple blocks off campus and, uh, climbed a tree with every intention of, uh, of hanging myself. I, uh, and I even, I even prayed to God for help on this. I, I was, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that I believe that God wanted me to do it, but I, I was convinced that God understood that I had to, um, that, right. uh, that this was the best thing. So I prayed for strength and right when I was about to, to jump, the noose wrapped around my neck. And right when I was about to jump, I saw this light in the distance that, mm. um, you know, I think, you know, on one level, I think it was just somebody turning their garage light on or something like that. But what I saw in that moment was, you know, was the star of Bethlehem. I, I saw that as a sign from God saying, don't do this. Boy, I'm there glad is you light. There is hope. Um, and I climbed down from the tree and yeah, and I, and I, st- I stopped myself and I, and I, I climbed back down and, and went, um, you know, ju- I just went back to my dorm room and went to bed. I didn't even tell anybody about it. Um, and so a few days later I started feeling physically sick, like I had a flu or something. So I went to the, the student health center and, um, they, uh, they checked me out and said, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong. They said, are you, uh, are you under any stress lately? And I said, well, <laughs> I said, I yes. did try to kill myself a few days ago. <laughs> and, oh, that's um, the wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, we're exactly. <laughs> so that never that, said you tried to kill yourself. Never. <laughs> I learned that really fast yeah. um, because <laughs> the next thing I know, I was um, I had to call my parents to pick me up, and I was not allowed back on campus until I had a a doctor's note saying that I was no longer a danger to myself, and wow. and that led to um, an eleven day stay in a in a mental hospital, which. Um, which was not something that I wanted to do at the very beginning of it. I was miserable and just wanted to go home. And I thought, I don't need to be here. Um, right. but, uh, but after a couple of days, I started to really, um, appreciate that this was, this was something I needed. And I think the biggest impact it had on me was when I realized that all of the other people who were in this, this floor with me were just normal people who were having oh, yeah. trouble coping with something. It wasn't, I had this, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest idea right. of what, what mental hospitals were like. And it wasn't like that. 
And I realized that if they're just normal people who are struggling to cope with something, then maybe that's who I am too. And maybe, maybe I need to accept some help with this. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of, of getting help. And, um, you know, it, it, it changed my life. Way back when I was, had this anxiety attack, Mm -hmm. which is, um, one of my, uh, I describe it in one of my episodes, episode four, which is very, very popular. It's called uh, uh, Beating Severe Anxiety and Depression. Okay. And I, I, I'm so I'm surprised that it's so, it, it's, it's light years ahead of all of my other episodes as far as people looking mm. at, you know, go, going to it. So in there, I say, I talk about my anxiety because that, really is the biggest problem I have. I mean, I I get, even now when I go on podcast interviews and stuff, I get very nervous. I mean, usually yeah. I do great, but I get very nervous, and that's a big problem in my life. But um, do you have high anxiety, or is it just depression? No, I absolutely have anxiety as well. Um, and I, I was nervous today about this interview. <laughs> You know, and this yeah. is this is like the tenth interview I've done in the last few months. I I shouldn't be nervous about it, but I am. I, you know, every, you every time I make other interviews or just my uh, yeah, everyone, <laughs> okay. everyone. Um, You're doing great you know, and, <laughs> and I always feel good at the end. You know, at the end of it, right. I always look back and say that was, you know, that that was great. Um, I don't yeah. know why I get nervous about this stuff, but I do. Yeah, me too. I, I just have a, a fear of talking because. With my ADHD, I forget words, and then mm-hmm. there's, a, there's an empty, awkward silence, and I'll have an anxiety attack when that oh. happens. I'll just, yeah. my mind will go blank. It happened just before when we were talking. My mind will uh-huh. go blank, and I have to wait one, two, three, four, until it comes back. So it's very wow. scary, and and that's really... Well, what happened to me as a child is I got interrupted all the time. Okay. I didn't have ADHD, and I didn't know how to pick up on social cues. I didn't know how to enter into the conversation. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big problem. Um, but with your anxiety, is it better now that you're on the medicine and getting counseling? It, it certainly helps. It, it helps. Um, I, uh, I also have... Um, a prescription for any anxiety that I just take when I need it, um, which is which is usually before congregation council meetings, that kind of thing at church. Um, but uh, yeah, no. it, it certainly helps, and it, it, it and I, I find that um, that kind of slowing down and trying to be mindful helps too. Like when I when I stop right. myself and think, hold on, why are you anxious about this? What are you really worried about? And um, you know, if I realize that. I'm, I have no rational reason to be anxious. It's just something going on. It doesn't take it away, but it's, it, it does um, make it easier to cope with, for sure. How about when you preach? Is that, does that make you anxious when you go that, up to preach? No, that doesn't. And the, the interesting thing about, about preaching and leading worship is I noticed years ago that if I had, like, um, you know, this time of year I'll often have a cold or, or some kind of, you know, you know, bad sniffles or something. If I, if I'm feeling like that and I think I can't, I can't lead worship day, I'm going to be blowing my nose every two minutes, coughing all the time. Suddenly that goes away for like for mm. the hour that I'm leading worship, it comes back. Yeah. 
but but I've also noticed that that tends to happen with um, with anxiety as well. It kind of just goes away for that time. Um, it comes and again, goes, not yeah. not permanently. It comes back, but but I I'm so grateful that um, that I'm able to just kind of uh, you know function in in that way. Uh, you know, without it, without it taking over. Uh, obviously, you love people. Now, I have to say, I, I'm waiting to say this. My son is a non-denominational pastor. Oh, yeah, and and I am pretty. I guess the word is agnostic, which doesn't mean okay. I don't have a god. But my version of God is a lot different than any. Uh, religion out there. I pray to God all the time when I have problems or 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 not. And you know, nine out of ten times, it's okay. You know, um, yeah, yeah, things get better. Um, so far, so good. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's the gift of faith. And and you know, I, I'm I'm not going to tell you that my you know my understanding of God is better than yours. I have no idea. But if 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 God gives you if, if your understanding of God gives you comfort and peace, then then, then then go with it. You know, I think that's um, you know that that's it's coming from the same place that that, that my understanding of God is coming from. Then, um, yeah, I, I I view God as uh, you know uh, something that each person has, and mm-hmm. each person's God can be a little bit different. Sure. So when you preach at the churches uh, about depression. You say most people are very positive. Did you ever get people that come up and say, "Hey, wait, you know, what are you crazy? Are you mentally, you know, crazy?" Or, or did you ever yeah. have that situation? I I haven't had had that. Gratefully, you know, I, I know there are there are definitely places where I could have that response. Um, I have had responses um, of just kind of uncomfortable silence. Um, there was a church that I used to be at where I I opened up about this and nobody talked about it at all afterward. Um, it was, um, and it, I just, I got the sense that people kind of wished I hadn't said anything. And if they don't say anything now, maybe it will just go away. Um, and that, uh, that was, that was uncomfortable for me, but thankfully it wasn't the, um, you know, it wasn't, someone coming and telling me like, you know, no, this isn't real. You, you know, you need to just believe more and, and, and you wouldn't be depressed. Um, I would imagine if if they thought you were crazy, they would stop going. I don't know, but well, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, yeah, that's a stigma that's out there. And and that could be the case where I'm at now. It could, you know, you know, there's always people in and out of churches. There, There could be, but maybe, maybe somebody who doesn't come to my church now, it's, it could be that reason. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not saying that's true, but I know there's a big stigma out there. That some people just cannot handle looking at their mental state. Yeah. Uh, I talk about it a lot. Most people have something to cover up mm-hmm. that final layer of fear. But final, what I am trying to do is get to the final stage of fear and then invite all my demons to come in and say hello to them. In other words, just hello, you know, hello, demon. How you doing? How's your, how's your kids? You know, that's a lot. I don't, I, I don't believe it. Uh, there's a technique called EFT, 
where you tap your meridians and stuff. And apparently, if you can focus enough on where your pain is coming or where the anxiety is coming from, you can meet the demon head to head. Mm-hmm. And the truth about it is, they're just like a bully. Mm-hmm. You punch them in the face. Yeah, right. If you punch them in the face, then they won't come back. Yeah. They'll leave. They'll leave your house and not come back. Uh, but that's the goal of the show. Is yeah. I pretty much like everybody who's listening to come with me on my journey through the last couple of layers of depression. And I'm, I'm hoping at the end of that rainbow, it's going to be, that was an old name of the show, yeah, Over the Rainbow. Yeah. I keep it in there most of That's OTR. Uh, but, you know, I'm hoping that one day, uh, you know, we can all come to this conclusion and we can stop covering up. We can stop cutting ourselves. We can stop uh, being a bully. We can stop uh, not thinking you ever made a mistake. All these things, not to mention addictions, but these are all addictions. I was addicted to adrenaline mm, when I worked. Sure, sure. Because of my ADHD, I was so nervous all the time. But when I got into the meeting, and I knew what I was talking about. I was so calm. You know, so it, it was all that adrenaline would rush to my head. So, and then on the weekend, I would crash. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you find that, like, in, in certain moments uh, or certain days that you feel worse than other days? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I, you know, you, you mentioned addiction. And I, I, you know, one thing that I've been exploring with my my counselor for the last couple of months is, is there a sense in which I'm addicted to being depressed? You know, is that, has that yes. become so much of my identity that that's, you know, that's who I am. I'm the depressed pastor, you know, I need to, right. and, and, and I think there's something to that, you know, um, which, which is really scary to kind of think, you know, what's my identity below that? Um, it, there is, there, there's something really unknown and scary about that. Um, yes, we're, we're exploring that together and, and it's, it's, it's challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel the same. I, I feel that everything we do about depression, like anxiety and stuff, it gives us the chemicals we need in our brain. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're not doing drugs or taking alcohol, we're being an adrenaline junkie. Sure. Or, and I think, you know, that's depression is who you are. I would agree that's kind of an addiction. Yeah. Uh, and that's maybe stopping you from getting better. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I'm no expert. <laughs> don't try this at home. But No, no, no. Um, <laughs> no, but that's, that's um, you know, that's something that, like I said, we've, I've been exploring with my, my counselor. So it's definitely, um, it's definitely up there. And I, I think you know, one of the things I do um, in the way I preach and in the way I I, t- I talk about this is is to to write, to say that that my true identity is as a child of God that that's my identity is given to mm-hmm. me by God and in my faith tradition you know we say that that comes through baptism that it's through my baptism that um, that God claimed me as as His own and and I try to hold on to that that even those moments when I um, when I hear the dark voice so loudly telling me that I'm a piece of garbage. There's this other voice, the voice of God telling me, don't listen to him. 
you are what I made you. You are good. You are worthy. And I've got a plan for you. And, and even saying that out loud can be hard sometimes. Um, you know, I, 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 I've been practicing about a year ago. I started practicing looking in the mirror and saying, I love you. And the first time I did that, I flinched because <laughs> it was so uncomfortable for me. I'm so not used to, to saying that to myself, but, um, but I think, you know, those kind of things are, are so important. Yeah. That is such an answer to our problems. Yeah. You have to learn to love yourself. Yeah. You can't be self-loathing and give up and give into the demon. To be a, you have to stay in the ring, even though you get knocked down over and over yeah, again. Yeah. You get up and you, you know, it's like Rocky. You get up and you keep punching. Yeah. You keep punching the demons. And eventually, I'm hoping they will all go away. Yeah. Uh, I've improved my life so much since that day oh. uh, when I had that really bad attack. Yeah. I have a lot of happy moments and, you know, I contributed to working so hard and, reading and counseling and, and so this on this show, I'm just trying to say to everybody, your depression is not the end of the world yeah. and you can get better every day. You can get better. And there's new things coming out like, like the mushroom uh, therapy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but it, it's, a, it's amazing. So, you know, I say to people that are listening, if they're ready to climb the tree and hang themselves, no, you can get better. That suicide is a temporary fix for, you know, a, a problem that's not permanent. So yeah. just wait it out. And that's what I say on episode four. I waited it out. It took six months, but uh, you wait it out. And, and you go from Xanax to Xanax if you have to. There's there's hope. But I think that, the, that's what, I, what I'm hearing you say is that there's yeah. hope. Um, and, I was whole, and that's what this is all about is hope. Yeah. But the thing, um, the, what I wanted to talk to you, you wrote a book about all of this. Yes. Uh, um, can you give us some info on that? Yeah. I, uh, just, just, uh, it was about six months ago. I published a book called dark water, uh, a pastor's memoir of depression and faith. And it is, um, it's basically the story of my life from age 11 until, um, until just a few years ago. And it tells in, in really, um, you know, brutal, honest detail, uh, how I've experienced, you know, these two voices throughout my life, the, the, the dark voice of depression telling me that I'm worthless and, um, and the kind of the quiet voice of God whispering to me that I'm loved and that I'm okay. And, uh, you know, I talk in there about, um, my two suicide attempts. I talk in there about how, I, um, I, I actively stopped myself from being a pastor for a number of years because I didn't think I was worthy um, and kind of how God turned me around to that. Um, and I talk about how I've, I've uh, um, kind of come out to congregations and, and, and what that's been like. Um, and I think you know, throughout the book, there's a, a, a real through line of, of hope that it's, um, you know, that I, I don't believe my depression is something I'll ever completely be free of. But it's it's something I can learn to live with because there are really wonderful and powerful moments of of hope and joy that that come even mm-hmm. even if it's going to be bad again it's not going to be bad all the time and that's um, and it won't be as bad as it is yes yes absolutely and 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 you know and I think you know throughout the book you, you can see as I've 
as I gained more and more coping mechanisms and as I um, kind of started recognizing more and more what was going on, I, you know, I'm, I'm more able to, to see that. And, and I think you're right that it, it, um, you know, the, the lows don't, the lows aren't as low once you've um, done the work. Yeah. 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 I ran into a medicine that totally cured me from apathy Mm. all weekend. I I would literally lay in bed all weekend and, they came up with the experimental drug. I don't, I don't really want to name it at this okay. point, but it is unbelievable as far as it. I used to wake up in the morning feeling miserable. Now I just wake up. I'm ready to go. Oh, I'm glad it's so, working for you. That's great. There's, there's so much. Yeah. I, I think it may be causing more anxiety, but we'll have to check into that. Yeah. But I, I guess my last question, is there anything we left out here that you would like to talk about? Um, with the listener? Well, I think I, I just like to to emphasize that that there is hope. You know, I think that's what, what I see through my faith and through my understanding of God is that is that there is always hope, even in the darkest of times. Um and uh and if you are struggling and you're not sure where that hope is, just hang on. And um and I, I also think it's helpful to to, to open up as best you can. If you have somebody you can share with, let them know how you're feeling. Sometimes even just talking about it can be the beginning of healing. So I, I just encourage you to, to hang on and to, and to open up Beautiful. as you can. That's well, well put. Um, uh, as far as the websites, I'm going to put them all on the, the description of the, uh, of the episode. Okay. But is there anyone that you would like to tell our audience? Sure. My website is uh, thescholtes.com. Um, it's T-H-E-S-C-H-O-L-T-E-S.com. And there um, you can you can read my blog, which I update um, at least weekly, sometimes more, uh, as well as uh, sign up for my weekly newsletter about uh, the intersection of faith and, and mental illness. And also learn more about my book. And, and there's links to where you can buy that as well. So. Thank, thank you so much for coming on the show. You've been a, a terrific guest. Okay. Uh, well-spoken, of course. And uh, I wish you all the luck in the world. I will pray for you. Thank you. And I will pray for you as well. God bless.